Hey, what's up? You're listening to the Hammer and Nigel Show podcast. Thanks for checking it out and make sure you subscribed. Hammer and Nigel. Do you believe these characters are weirdos? On 93 WIBC. So let's rock My name is Nigel. Jason Hammer is right over there. The funeral for fallen Richmond police officer, Sierra Burton. Um, streaming on, uh, on the internet. Also live local, uh, locally here on TV, Hammer. It was touching. It was emotional. It was beautiful. It was heartbreaking. All at the same time. Just a touching memorial. And it's, it's also... I, I watched that, and I'm. It's so sad to watch, but also heartening and almost uplifting to see the community come together in Richmond in support of of Officer Burton's family, as well as law enforcement from all over the state. And her eventual uh, her resting place will eventually be at Crown Hill Cemetery. You go through a whole gamut of emotions Absolutely. on days like today yeah. because you're right. Uh, you want to feel uplifted seeing a community respond in such a positive way but at the same time i feel angry because this did not have to happen this was some lunatic that was pulled over on a scooter who just started shooting at people yeah i mean that's the part that it's it's hard to get out of my head that this did not need to happen she was shot in the line of duty survived for weeks she was even taken off life support if you remember and then continued to battle an epic battle uh, until finally uh, succumbing to her injuries just a, a few days ago they like you said it was a guy in a scooter one minute they're chatting with him they suspect drugs she's a canine officer she went to get the canine next thing you know the guy pulls out a gun and fires at officers winds up hitting officer burton and we talk about it all the time we talk about the the dangers of the thin blue line man there is no such thing to a police officer as a routine traffic stop right and the guy and again i'm not going to say his name that fired the shot that ultimately cost officer burton her life this was a guy that had a long history of being violent and questions about whether or not he should have been out on the streets to begin with. It seems like we have these conversations quite a bit, but we'll save those for another day because I do want the focus to be on the amazing memory sure. of this yeah. fallen canine officer, Ciara Burton from the Richmond Police Department. Some very poignant moments in the service earlier today. This is... Uh, her stepmother, Amy Miller, who's also a law officer. Sierra was my stepdaughter. <laughs> but I did not see her as a stepdaughter. I saw her as my daughter. I may not have given birth to her, but in my heart, she was my daughter and will forever be. Sierra was the strongest woman I've ever known. And she recently just showed the world just how strong she was. Junior, I was honored to work beside you. And I was honored to be your bonus mom. I promise I will continue to take care of your mother and give Brev the best life ever. We will continue to love and care for Abby Mama. So please watch over us. And rest easy, sweet girl. I love you. Oh, man, that's rough. Yeah, I, and I didn't know that law enforcement ran in the family with the Burtons. Yeah, and, and look, I, you know, I've there's no distinction. If you're lucky enough to have a, a, an awesome uh, family, which includes step parents, like I have step parents, there's no distinction between blood and you know, it doesn't matter if you help give birth to that person or not. That's that's your son. That's your daughter. 
And uh, obviously that was the case here with uh, Sierra's stepmom. Sierra Burton's fiance also had a very poignant moment in the service earlier today. I feel an emptiness without her here, but I will forever be thankful for the purest love she gave me and the wonderful family and friends she has that have become mine. Sierra, I promise to carry you with me in my heart everywhere I go and to love you and live for you until we meet again, my love. Thank you. And it's during these types of speeches where you want to cry and then you want to throw something at the same time because you oh, start thinking imagine. about why yeah. we're in this situation. This piece of human excrement that did this, it's just so frustrating. Um, our friend Rick Snyder, president of the Fraternal Order of Police, he was the one that gave the prayer today. We thank you for this life. We thank you for bringing Sierra not only into this world, but giving and sharing her heart with us. Father, you have called us to stand this line. And so we stand. We stand together, united in the call that you've placed upon our life. We remain faithful to your cause. Yeah, something like this has ripple effects in the law enforcement community. It not only has ripple effects in the community where it happened, but it, it permeates out into state law enforcement as well as tributes around the country coming in for Officer Burton. And I think one of the most important moments of these types of services law enforcement funerals is the 1042 call and we're going to play you that audio here unfortunately nige we have gotten into a custom of hearing quite a bit of these over the years it doesn't get any easier man it doesn't it, it's it's because i feel like it's so final and it is final obviously but it, that's just it and and it's just it's what is this is their last the last call right right uh, so technically, it's, you know, in terms of being a police officer, uh, you're still on duty until you clock out at the end of the night by yes. being 1042. Yeah. So in theory, Officer Burton has been on the clock this whole time until the final 1042 call. And this is one of the longer ones that I can remember. Uh, it's about 90 seconds here. We're going to play you the entire thing because I think it's very important. This is the 1042 call for fallen canine officer, Ciara Burton. Canine 2, Officer Ciara Burton. On August 10th, 2022, Richmond Police Department, canine officer Ciara Burton answered her final call. After being shot in the line of duty on August 10th, 2022, and following an incredibly strong and valiant 39-day fight, canine officer Ira Burton succumbed to her injuries on September 18th, 2022. Scripture says in John 15:13, greater love has no man than this, that a man lay down his life for his friends. Canine Officer Burton demonstrated commitment, professionalism, and dedication. Every moment of every day, 
could hear the dispatch officer choking yeah. up throughout the entire I, mean, I, was, I was choking up i can imagine having to be that dispatch officer and, and and having to try to do your best to scrape together some sort of you know coherent uh, final message there because i would i would have been a mess for sure and again the final resting place will be at crown hill cemetery um in that special area they've got mm-hmm. for fallen officers and nudge if anybody knows somebody that's in law enforcement you know buy him a cup of coffee you know tell him thank you for doing what you do because the last couple of months have not been easy i mean hell the last couple of years have not been easy but in terms of losing officers it wasn't that long ago we were doing this exact same thing for elwood's noah shanavaz and now today uh we're saying goodbye to richmond police department canine officer ciara burton Please don't stop the music. music, music. You're listening to the Hammer and Nigel Show on 93 WIBC. I'm Nigel. Hammer's over there. I don't know how much I care about Rihanna playing the Super Bowl halftime show. It was just announced yesterday during the games, uh, NFL games yesterday. Um, I mean, a big name, I think. Rihanna's a pretty well-known name in the music industry, but I don't... I mean, I'd be, of course, I'd be more interested in it if it was, you know, a rock band or Foo Fighters or something like that. We always have these same stupid conversations every year about this time when the Super Bowl act is announced. I'm, I guess I'm more curious, Hammer, uh, about maybe some of the special guests that she's, she'll have coming out on stage with her. I guess that kind of piques my interest a tad. Will you be happy if Rihanna brings out Fog Hat? <laughs> Now that is a Super Bowl show I can get behind it. Right there, she starts jamming out slow ride with the drums and the guitar. Yes, now that will that that is something that would pique my interest for sure. Yeah, people always will complain about who the halftime act is. It doesn't matter who it is. People will always complain. But at the end of the day, we're watching this thing at home for free, right? We're going to have our beer. We're going to have our food. We're watching it because it's going to be the big talking point of conversation the next day along with the game. So I'm kind of good with this. You know, I don't care about her politics. I know she was offered this gig back in 2019, and she chose to say no because she wanted to show support to Colin Kaepernick, who she felt was being, you know, unfairly kept out of the uh, nfl that's over now i guess that's out <laughs> right. the door he's had a couple tryouts and it turns out he still stinks <laughs> so he's not on an nfl roster so rihanna was like screw it i'm all in <laughs> um so here's what i'm gonna do nige yes. i'm gonna play a little montage of rihanna songs tell me if you uh, have heard these or not do i have to name them I, just I, tell I, me if you've like, heard it or I, not. that was the one that we came in with was don't stop the music right correct I, I, the only one the other one i know probably umbrella but, all right uh, here we go, go ahead yeah, there's your one. I've heard of this one. These are all Rihanna songs. Yes, I've heard of it. Couldn't tell you the name of it. 
Do you know what it is? We found love in a hopeless okay. place. I've heard this one. Is this a different song? <laughs> this is S&M by Rihanna. No, I haven't heard it. No, I haven't heard of this one. Yeah. This was the one that kind of put her on the map. Her first big hit. This yeah. was a duet she did with Eminem. Oh, yeah. I think. I, I... Nope. Disturbia. Nope. Oh, yeah, I heard that one. So I think once you actually hear her hit catalog, you're going to be like, oh, I've heard that song before. Yeah, 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 yeah. I mean, I worked at Radio Now when it was on this signal, 93.1. We played the hell out of Rihanna every hour on the hour. Uh, Some of those uh, are a little bit past my time, some of those hits. But, yeah, that, that, that Shut Up and Drive and Umbrella are probably the ones I'm most familiar with. To this day, one of the biggest regrets in radio I have was not smoking weed with Rihanna. <laughs> Where was that at? The Vogue? It was the Vogue. <laughs> was, she, did she, she's the one that said, hey, would you like some weed? She was on the bus. I was doing promotions <laughs> for WZPL at the time, and she had just come out. Like that uh, Mr. DJ song had just come out. So she's doing a show at the Vogue. And... We had contest winners that got to meet Rihanna sure. on her bus, right? So we go on the bus, and it's like, like remember when Fast Times at Ridgemont High when Spicoli and his buddies fell out of the van <laughs> and all the smoke comes yeah. out? That was her bus, and all of her crew are inside, and they're all just smoking up. So I'm bringing these contest winners inside of the bus, and Rihanna and her crew are offering our contest winners weed. <laughs> And what did she say to you specifically? You want in on this? You want to hit this? <laughs> you should have said yes, and I'll take a uh, puff of weed as well. <laughs> <laughs> I, I regret both decisions, to be honest with you. Uh, but yeah, that's the, one of the biggest regrets is you know I could have the story today of hanging out, smoking oh. a fatty with the halftime performing Rihanna, but I chose to be responsible yeah, at the time. We, we all have our regrets. <laughs> uh, where was your emotional roller coaster at for that Colts game yesterday, Nige? All over the place. You know it firsthand. <laughs> I was at one point wishing they were going to lose even when they got that penalty at the when the Chiefs got the penalty at the end of the game to keep the Colts on the field. I was like. Screw them. I still hope they lose. <laughs> the final drive uh, going just... for the win. Nigel texts me. <laughs> I hope they still lose. <laughs> it was just such a – I mean, the defense was great. And uh, like, I was still bitter from that opening drive when the Colts got the ball. It just The, the three and out was the, one of the worst series I've ever seen the Colts play. I was still bitter from that first opening drive. And uh, and, and they got lucky, man. They they – they didn't win that game so much as Kansas City lost it. And if that guy was trash talking or foul abusive language or whatever the ref called at the end. If it wasn't for that, they'd have they would have none in the win nothing in the win column. Boy, that offensive line of the Colts looks bad. I know we should be happy today because they I beat know. a good team. I know. You know, they beat Patrick Mahomes at home, but anybody that's a Colts fan that watches that well, you still got concerns. Especially if you're an irrational 
a passionate <laughs> dummy Colts fan like I am. The flip the table over kind <laughs> <Yes>. of fan. <laughs> yeah, like the coach of the Bills. That footage was hilarious after the end of that game against the Dolphins. That's Nigel in the first quarter <laughs> yeah. texting all of us. Yeah. <laughs> uh, speaking of the NFL, the Pro Bowl is gone. They're getting rid of oh, the Pro no. Bowl. And now they're going to do the Pro Bowl games. It's taking place during um, Super Bowl weekend, that bye week in Las Vegas. So they're doing a flag football game and skills competitions instead. Okay, I mean, can you bet on it? I was, I always you liked, better be I, able I always, to. I always, I always like betting on the Pro Bowl. You always take it was easy money. It was a you, guaranteed you laid, over. Yeah, you laid a bunch of money on the over every time. Um, I'm not going to watch the skills. Does that like involve NFL players throwing footballs into trash cans 100 yards away and crap like that? Similar. Yeah. I mean, I hate to sound cynical, but. <laughs> I mean, sometimes, skills though, challenge. that kind of stuff is better than the actual game. Well, I would I, argue the home run derby okay. and the three-point three dunk that, contest is better than the actual uh, game. I was thinking about the NBA three-point contest and the dunk contest. I mean, the dunk contest has gotten a little stale, but I, yeah. I, I, I know what you mean. All right. All right. We'll, we'll, we'll see. Um, but uh, it sounds like Peyton Manning is going to be involved in this somehow. His Omaha Productions Company, they're producing, I think, the flag football game. So I think he's going to be a coach on one side. I would imagine Eli will probably be a coach on the other it's, side. It's going to be even worse. If So is it going to be current NFL players playing flag football? I mean, could you don't know anything ten? yet, but I would imagine so. Okay. If you get picked to be like an all-pro or whatever, they'll probably fly you out to Vegas yeah. and do it's the whole thing. Yes. Okay. Super Bowl's in Arizona, but this whole deal is going to be out in Vegas. All right. Uh, coming up here in just a moment, Monday Gun Day with Guy Relford. That is coming up next. This is the Hammer and Nigel Show. The only way to bag a classy lady is to give her two tickets to the gun show. It's Monday Gun Day with the gun guy. Just watch out for the guns. They'll get you. Guy Relford. Stop calling your arms gun. The Hammer and Nigel Show, 93 WIBC. My name is Nigel. Jason Hammer is here, also joining us live in studio. The gun guy, Guy Relford, licensed firearms instructor, 2A attorney, host of the, uh, did I already say host of the gun guy show? Yeah, no, you're a damn fire American man. How are you? <laughs> I'm great. And thanks as always to our sponsor, Fort Liberty Firearms in Avon. Great place to buy firearms, ammunition, or accessories. And check out their new safe room where they're selling quality American-made safes. Check out my buddies at FortLibertyFirearms.com. Big Nige, the Colts won. Go ahead and crack open that beverage you got there all right fine i'll embrace it even though i'm not even though i don't feel good about the win i'll i'll take it okay so are we tired for first to the uh, afc no, no you're still behind no. the jags oh, okay the jags that's yeah, right okay, jags right, right. are rolling they're two and one and who would have picked the jags well you knowing you jason you probably did because you got this down <laughs> but who would have picked the jags in san diego uh, chargers are good they are LA. their quarterbacks banged yeah. up yeah, herbert played with He's those ribs man. issue yeah uh We'll get to some important stuff here in just a moment. We were having a great conversation off the air, though. Right. You went to the game I yesterday, did. and you have been going to Colts games since this team arrived in 84. I have. You know, we've told the story a million times. You were kind of a part of that process. Yeah. 
Was this the most visiting fans you have seen in the Colts stadium, whether it's the old dome or Lucas Oil? Because it looked like a Chiefs invasion downtown. Yeah, by a lot. And look, a lot of teams, and I, I give them great credit for this because I like to travel to see the Colts play in other stadiums around the country as well. So I, I love that the, the, these guys do this, but it's disheartening as a home fan. A lot of teams travel well. Green Bay fans travel well. Yeah, uh, when I, Pittsburgh. In, tw- in 2020 when I went uh, – I took my son. It was limited capacity. It was like 7,500, maybe 10,000. They were all Green Bay oh, fans. Oh, there. man. Uh, Pittsburgh f- fans travel incredibly well. I mean, several uh, groups and Kansas City fans clearly do. But I got to Buffalo, down Buffalo, in Miami yeah, this that weekend. Was nuts. You just showed me that video. But I got to tell you, it, as far as being at a Colts game, and, and you're right, I've been going since 1984. I had club seat tickets for almost 35 years and that was the biggest population of visiting fans i've ever seen and when you go to kansas city and i've been there half a dozen times it's a sea of red everybody wears a red jersey there's no white there's no yellow there's everybody wears a red jersey and there were an incredible i i would say easily 25 percent of that entire stadium were, were chiefs fans and if somebody told me it was a third i wouldn't argue with them they sounded loud on tv did, yeah it sounded like, you know, when it was a third down and the Colts were on the field, it sounded like a road game almost. Yeah, that's disheartening. I got to tell you, there were areas up in the upper levels where whole sections looked to be 70, 80%. I mean, it was just a pocket of red. I mean, a big pocket of red. So is this the Chiefs fans just early bird getting the worm and they're buying tickets the minute they go on sale? Or is this Colts fans buying tickets and then selling them on the secondary market, the Chiefs I bet fans? it's both. I think it's both. Yeah. I think, Nigel, you're exactly right. But also, Indy has an issue, and look, I'm all for free market and and uh, you know small businesses. But Indy has an issue where an awful lot of tickets, season tickets, are held by institutional uh, ticket buyer and sellers. In other words, these ticket brokers. And hey, I I love them. I, I go to them when I want tickets. Sure. I, I'm going to Denver. I'm going to the Thursday night game in Denver because I have a son who lives in Denver. Oh, nice. And my daughter from Jacksonville is going with, with my son-in-law, and I'm going to meet my, my son and my daughter-in-law and we're a, as a big group. And I'm using a ticket broker. So I'm not complaining about this, except an awful lot of tickets in Indy are owned by ticket brokers. And if Colts fans go and buy them, that's one thing. But if the fans from Kansas City or Green Bay or wherever want to go buy them too, it's a free market. And uh, and I think that's one of the reasons why teams who travel really well in terms of their fans willing to show up in other stadiums like Kansas City, that's why you saw such an incredible number of Kansas City fans uh, in that uh, in the stadium yesterday. Have you, have you been to Arrowhead? Have you been oh, to yeah. Chiefs? Oh, God, yes. I've my been to buddy, Arrowhead my, my half next, a dozen times. My next-door neighbor, Scott, just got back from there because uh, he has some buddies that live out there. He said, like, it's night and day in terms of the difference between Lucas Oil Stadium and Arrowhead because Lucas Oil, it's like a shopping mall almost, right? Well, There's yeah. tons of stuff to do. There's different things. You, if you're not concentrating on the game, you can go walk around. At Arrowhead, there's two things to do. Watch football and drink beer, and that's <laughs> it. And he said it was the <laughs> loudest atmosphere he's ever been in in his life. Well, I'll tell you the really 80 awesome str- things. 80,000 yeah. strong. Oh, no, all, I agree agree with all that the the really awesome things about arrowhead is first of all it's got nothing but like open real estate 360 degrees all the way around the outside of the stadium so it's incredible to tailgate and i and i am a professional tailgater i (laughs) we we can we can do a whole show on the guy relford the next night with wibc i want to have guy relford with a tent outside (laughs) i'm telling you a grill and a keg i'm talking portable satellite dish i'm talking big screen flat screen i'm talking generator full-size gas grill that fits in your trailer hitch Oh, I'm, I'm talking fillets and garlic mashed potatoes. 
this man? man. I mean, I, 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 I'm a professional. I totally want a tailgate for the next night with WIBC. Well, this I, has to happen. I, I'm telling you. But but in Kansas City, it's so cool because there's this huge amount of real estate right around the stadium. Right. You know, in Indy, you kind of got to – there's yep. this parking lot you can tailgate in. There's yep. that parking lot. There, it's all one It's all place. open, yeah. And it's so much fun. And the, and the fans are so passionate. Um, and and then they, and it's Kansas City, so you've got ribs and steaks and all this great food cooking right. everywhere. And it, it's fabulous. I love that stadium. It's a great place to go. All right, so we got Guy Relford here, the gun guy, here on the Hammer and Nigel show. Let's get into some serious issues. Yep. There was a school shooting in Russia yeah. uh, earlier. 13 dead the last time that I heard. Many more injured. Of course, everybody always says that these types of things only happen in the United States. We've heard this time and time again from usually the left-leaning politicians in this country, but this goes to show that these types of things happen all over the world. Uh, what are your thoughts on this? Because we always come to you whenever there's a gun-related issue uh, because I think your opinion is just so interesting compared to folks who don't do this kind of thing for a living. Hey, do you well, know what the gun laws are in Russia? Oh, God, it's it? incredibly restrictive. I mean, to, to have a gun as a private citizen, um, really? it, it's very, very, very hard. And so, yeah, I mean, I'm, look, nobody wants to to celebrate uh, the loss of life like we saw. And this was a school shooting, and they've upgraded those numbers. I was doing Tony Katz's show earlier, and just right before I got off the air, they upgraded the numbers, and it's now 15 that have been <sighs> killed with 24 injured. And so it, it, it's horrible, but it brings to mind to me the fact that every time a mass shooting happens in the United States, we have anti-gun politicians coming out and saying, this only happens in America. This never happens in any other country. It's only because of our lax gun laws. And listen, we, for instance, we've had mass shootings uh, be used as a predicate or, or a reason to ban whole, whole categories of firearms. You know what the guy in Russia did who killed 15 people, wounded 24? He took two inoperable firearms. Apparently, they were replicas or maybe starting pistols. I don't know. But the news coverage from Associated Press said he took two inoperable pistols and converted them so as to fire real bullets. And he still killed 15 people and wounded 24 in a wow. school. So if you think for a moment that the way to stop school shootings or mass shootings generally is to take a particular class of firearms away from people. Like in the United States, we always want to talk about so-called assault weapons, right? I'm doing air quotes. Assault weapons and bump stocks. Yeah, right. And then, But they'll say if we, we can stop school shootings if we just take these assault weapons away from people. That 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 is put to the lie. That 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 fraud is exposed by the fact that a, a person who wants to do evil will find a way to do evil, including a guy in Russia who took two inoperable firearms and handguns, and were able to convert and was able to convert those to go in and 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 hurt and 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 uh, kill that many people. And I think it illustrates the importance of having teachers, whether it's in Russia or the United States or anywhere, having armed teachers that volunteer. I just saw the story about Shelby Eastern School district uh, a couple days ago on our, our sister or i'm sorry our news gathering partners wish tv about how they're arming their teachers in that county and it's it, it's actually more uh common than i think we know in this state isn't it guy yes well uh, and i know that because i've worked with various school districts around the country around the state i should say mainly in rural areas who have made the decision yeah. to arm their teachers and i've helped them put their training programs together and implement this and and they don't want it known but they're you know they yeah. want it to be under the radar for obvious security reasons but there are several school districts around indiana that have armed their teachers but listen 
I oppose gun control as a response to mass shootings. So people immediately come and attack me and say, well, that means you have no solutions. You you just want to say no to gun control, but you have no, no, no solutions. I beg to differ. There are four steps to preventing a school shooting. Okay. Number one is risk identification. Uh, be, have, a, have a culture where people see kids who are at risk or whoever it might be, who are, and they invariably post stuff on social media. They, 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 they do, you know, like the kid in Michigan had these violent drawings that were found. The old see something, say something. See something, say something. And we're running a PSA on WIBC right now. It's beautiful. It's see, say. I see, say, because. That's what we're talking about. Risk identification. And don't be afraid to judge people, because that's no. the thing that I hate the most. Well, you shouldn't judge that person. No, if there's a lunatic drawing pictures about wanting to shoot and kill people, I'm going to judge him. And that's okay. And that's okay. And that's the culture shift we need and that's a great point then it's risk interdiction which is we identify a risk what do we do there are mental health services available there's the ability to hold someone for observation to see whether they're a risk to themselves or others if they're a risk we can we can commit them and hold them for treatment and this is not just to lock somebody up it's to get them the help that they need right that we have red flag laws and our, you know we can argue all we want about due process and what but they currently are on the books we see someone like the FedEx shooter who's clearly a risk, right? He, he, his mom walked to a, a, an IMPD station to say this kid is a risk to red flag her own kid. She begged him to take away. She, and the, and they the did. Guns. They took a shotgun yeah. away, but they never filed red flag proceedings. So there's a way to intercept those risks, right, before they unfold. Now let's say we have we failed at number one and number two. We haven't identified that risk. We haven't, we haven't interdicted. We haven't interfered. Now they're on their way to the school. A third one is risk exclusion, meaning keep them out of the damn school, right? Harden the schools, make yes. it tough to get in schools. In Uvalde, we had an unlocked back door. Apparently the, the teachers were using to go out and smoke, right? In, 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 in different school shootings, we have different ways they've entered the buildings. We need to look at those and say, no, we're not going to allow bad guys in our schools anymore. And then we have these people come out and attack us and go, oh, well, I don't want my kid going to school in a prison. Look, I don't want my kid going to or my grandkid to go to school in a prison, but I want my kids to be protected as much as we protect our politicians. I want our kids to be protected as much as we, as we protect money in a bank or jewels in a jewelry store. You know, I mean, wh yeah. why, why why don't we want to make it as hard to kill our kids as we do to steal our money out of a bank? I mean, I, I got a full body cavity search the last time I was at Indianapolis International Airport. It's like a prison there almost, and I'm happy to comply. And I mean, nobody, I, you know what I mean? Like, and, we're, and nobody we're complains arming, about that. Yeah, we're, we're arming our banks, we're arming our prisons, we're arming our, uh, you know, people, uh, TSA. But And it's not like we're putting chains on the doors like Crazy Joe Clark and Lean right. On Me here. Oh, no, yeah, no, right. Yeah. No, but, I mean, it's make it hard for bad guys to get in our schools and kill our kids. Why should that be controversial? People don't like it. Liberals argue against it because they say, oh, well, you're just arguing against gun control. You don't want an assault weapon ban, so you want to turn our schools into prisons. Look, an assault weapon ban isn't going to stop school shootings. The worst school shooting in history was Virginia Tech, and was and was and and was committed by two handguns. Yeah, you can ban assault weapons tomorrow. It's not going to stop stop school shootings. You so, can't stop a crazy, motivated lunatic. The guy in Russia just took two inoperable handguns and killed 15 people and wounded 24. But the fourth step is after risk exclusion, meaning keep bad guys out of our schools. The last one is risk response. Now they're in the school. And this goes back to Nigel's point. 
right? Mm-hmm. Nigel says, why don't we have more armed teachers? Why don't we have more security guards? The, 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 okay, we failed to identify the risk. We didn't interdict. We didn't stop them. We didn't, we didn't get them help. They got in the damn school. Now what's your response? Kill the dude. Yeah. The, the response Absolutely. is shoot him and shoot him before he hurts our kids. How do you do that? With school resource officers. If you want to arm teachers, look, Indiana law allows you to do that. You can put whatever training program you want. I worked with one school district that actually required their, their teachers who wanted to be armed in school to become reserve police officers and go through the same training that the police officers did, which by the way, the reserves of, reserve officers got the same training the full-time sworn officers did as far as firearms. Then they gave them additional mass shooter training, right? Active shooter response. They gave them all that training and then they allowed them to carry guns in schools. So look, those are the four steps, including if he gets in our school, kill him before he kills our kids. And if you're resistant to that, then you have a political agenda above actually keeping kids safe. Got about a minute left here. Just being devil's advocate, what's your response when someone says, well, we had this kind of stuff down in Uvalde. We had a resource officer there, and he didn't do anything. He wouldn't hid somewhere, and then the authorities arrived, and they sat around and played grab ass for about 35, 40 minutes. Oh, yeah. Well, the response is... Having each of these things in place is no guarantee that people are going to do their jobs. We had a guy in Parkland, Florida, or or an armed school resource officer who hid, hid behind a vehicle outside as all those kids were being murdered. So none of these none of these systems are foolproof. Nobody says it's a guarantee. Right. But what it does provide is if you have qualified and willing people who, by the way, the protocol since Columbine, going all the way back to Columbine. The protocol is you have an active shooter in a school. You have have an active shooter anywhere. You're the first on scene. You find the shooter and kill the shooter. And people say, well, I'm just by myself and he has a gun. And, you know, the the, the response is you get paid to go in. You don't get paid to come back out. The protocol is go protect the kids. Go protect the innocent. Find the shooter and the threat. And if that means you don't, it doesn't work out for you and the next guy gets the job done, guess what? That's the job profile. That's the job description. You don't want that job? Don't take a job as a school resource officer. Don't be a first responder to a mass shooting. That's the way it works. It's not a guarantee, but it's the way the system's designed and it's the way to actually protect kids. If anybody wants to continue this conversation, what's the best way to get a hold of you? Relford Law is the best way, relfordlaw.com. Guy, thank you so much. Love you guys, man. Thanks. It's the Hammer and Nigel Show. And we're back. The Hammer and Nigel Show, 93 WIPC. My name is Nigel. Jason Hammer is here. Um, are we doing NASA first? Yeah. To that? Did, I hear the Armageddon theme music. We got to do the yeah. story about the asteroid. Um, the, so, NASA, today is the day you get to watch NASA. Land a spacecraft. I guess I shouldn't say land. They're slamming a spacecraft into an asteroid, a la Armageddon. Bruce Boom. Willis and Ben Affleck. Uh, I mean, this is like really science fiction entering the real world when they call it DART. DART launches into my Dimorphos, the uh, moonlit of, uh, of a near-Earth asteroid. So to, they're trying to alter this asteroid's path. 
so to speak, by slamming this thing. I don't think they're using nukes or anything like that. Right. Like, Harry Stamper's not there with the <laughs> remote somewhere. They're not, they're not sending a <laughs> giant-ass drill in there to drill anything, but they're trying to set this this thing off uh, trajectory, and you'll be able to – I think you could just type in NASA, follow the action live when it happens later. And NASA, like, they're pumped about this stuff, man. In fact, check out their hype commercial. Monday, Monday, Monday! <laughs> Get ready for high power NASA thrusting, dark crashing, asteroid smashing action! It's the double asteroid redirect mission, better known as DART! Spacecraft versus Dimorphos! Watch all the action on the camera live stream, Draco! Don't miss the slamming, the trajectory changing, the total spacecraft destruction! $325 million gone with one Monday, Monday, Monday. That's today. Live, 6 p.m. Eastern. Be there. You know, uh, my only problem is, I mean, I don't think this asteroid's on a dead set collision course with Earth anyway. I think they're just testing it out. But what if they do uh, slam into it and it does put it more towards Earth? (laughs) Right. It does the complete opposite thing. Like it, (laughs) it was going 5 million miles past Earth. It's just an experiment. Now it's headed you know straight for monument circle i would hope that the same group that can land one of their rockets like on boats in the middle of the ocean you know like nasa and even spacex do i think they would know which side to hit the asteroid on i have pretty good faith in the folks at nasa to do that and i'm hoping that after this they sell merch in their gift shop that says kick asteroid (laughs) nasa kick asteroids (laughs) Um, we were talking earlier about Rihanna doing halftime of the Super Bowl. Uh, Taylor Swift, a lot of people thought Taylor was going to be the halftime act. That's not the case. She's got a new album coming out, Nige, and the big hype about this, she swears for the first time. Oh, I will now be leading up to fate and announcing the next track. Track eight, vigilante crap okay how creative how edgy until she's willing to work with that screaming goat i don't want to hear anymore (laughs) (laughs) it's the hammer and nigel show Hammer and Nigel. Can you believe these characters are weirdos? On 93 WIBC. So let's rock it. My name is Nigel. Jason Hammer is here. Mega Mondo is our producer. Can we get right into it, Mondo? Let's not waste any time. Let's get into some vaccine stuff. Pharmacies. Antibodies. Yeah. Side effects. Vaccine stuff. Uh, so this is from the CDC. I don't believe it. Less than, oh, I believe this, actually. <laughs> this makes total sense to me. Basically, the CDC says that less than 2% of people that are eligible, adults, you know, have gotten the updated COVID booster shots. Oh, I believe that, yeah. Less than 2% <laughs> of people, adults here in the United States, have not gotten those updated booster shots. And the number is the same for young kids in terms of being fully vaccinated. 2% of children uh, of a certain age group are are fully vaccinated. Only 2%. What do those numbers really say? 
hammer. To me, it's a rhetorical question. It says people know that the vaccines basically have failed and they're no good and kids don't need them at all in any way, shape, or form whatsoever. And adults are also rejecting the boosters right? Well. And they can keep telling us that same tired company line all the time. After you've had five or six boosters, after you've got a syringe hanging out of your anus, <laughs> well, I still got COVID, but it would have been way worse if I didn't have these 15 and, shots previously. And by the way, there's a new, there's a giant British study out now that it talks about how vaccines didn't work that well against uh, in terms of treating severe COVID. And nobody's talking about this study out of the UK. So uh, I, I think people just kind of understand. They know that this is uh, endemic. It's going to be treated like a cold for the most part if you don't have severe comorbidities. I, I will say, like, my doctor recommended I get the vaccine, like, when it first came out because... Uh, I got the high blood pressure thing going on. Um, it's a little bit of high cholesterol. I take medications for each. How you don't and have man, cirrhosis yet? I have no idea. <laughs> I, don't, I don't have cirrhosis in the liver yet. Not yet, but uh, I, I did know people that were unvaccinated in the very beginning that, de- like my age, that developed pneumonia out of their COVID infection. Several, I knew like four or five wind up in the hospital and are fine. They ended up being Listen, okay. Delta was a mother. Delta well, of course, was. Of course. And that first one, I mean, the first, whatever the first variant was, or not the variant, but the original COVID was, I mean, well, my wife, when she got it, uh, November 2020, she got, it punched her in the face. I mean, it was all out flu-like symptoms. Um, and, and then by the end of the week, she was, you know, moving around and sh- she was okay, but um now that you know this omicron variant the ba5 or whatever is dominant so like 80 percent of the people have gotten it um or or that's the 80 percent of people that test positive for covid now it's the ba5 variant it's just it's it's not very deadly and i, I mean i saw the cdc director walensky has like gotten her fourth or fifth shot altogether and like hey listen even if you got a booster a couple of months ago you need to get the updated booster we have these new updated like who's going to get shots every two months right especially when you know you can still get and spread this thing and then and then in terms of lasting efficacy of these things who knows how long they work well or if they don't really work well at all in my opinion in the studies that i'm looking at right now dude if i were 80 years old or I had some sort of underlying health condition, fine, I understand that. You do you. But if you're somebody that's in decent shape, not even good, in decent shape, and especially if you're younger, it's a hard sell now. Because I'm reading here the... Dr. Scott Roberts, a Yale medicine infectious disease specialist, he told the CDC that it was demoralizing how few people have gotten uh, this booster that's now out there. Well, I'll tell you what, doctor, what's demoralizing was we were told by Joe Biden, by doctors, by a lot of people, if you get these shots, you will not get COVID. You can go back to work. You can do this and that. Well, guess what? People got the shots. They still got sick. And, and they still spread it. You still spread it. People lost their jobs because they did not want to get this thing. That's demoralizing. That's demoralizing. And then you seeing, I'm seeing uh, commercials uh, on Twitter and on TV about kids and myocarditis now. They don't mention COVID specifically in those 
spots, but what, when's the last time you've seen a commercial about treating myocarditis in kids? How about never? Right. And now they're pretty prevalent. And I want to see more studies on organ donors, organ transplants, because there are a few stories out there, not enough to really, you know, bunch panties, so to speak, but starting to hear more stories that those who have had the vaccine, some of their bodies are not receptive if you need to get an organ transplant. So again, I want to see more information on that. There's a lot of things I want to see more information on, and it doesn't make you a bad person for being a little cynical for all of these folks telling you, you better go out and get that shot. I know the previous six didn't really work, but this one's (laughs) really going to protect you. Especially when you have... Blue states, heavy blue lockdown states back at the beginning now are rejecting vaccine mandates, right? Correct. I mean, that's happening in New York City. A little too late, too late, too little too late for New York City, especially, you know, considering the U.S. Open tennis championship a couple of weeks ago uh, where they wouldn't let Joker in, Novak Djokovic, because he wasn't vaccinated. And now New York City is has been ordered to reinstate all cops fired over vaccine mandates. How sweet and delicious is that? All the cops, all the first responders, anybody who was fired uh, working for the government there in New York, the uh, judge rejected these mandates, and they all have to be reinstated. That's awesome, hopefully with back pay. Manhattan Supreme Court Justice Lyle Frank said the city's vaccine mandate was invalid, quote, to the extent it has been used to impose a new condition of employment. And it goes on to say, this ruling makes clear that the mandate was wrong because its enforcement went past monetary sanctions. Uh, New York City's Department of Mental Health and Hygiene tried to enforce the city's COVID vaccine mandate through multiple means, including unpaid leaves, suspension, termination of employees who did not get the shot. It's... That's rough, especially if you're a first responder and you worked the first entire year without a vaccine and probably acquired COVID multiple times, and then you got fired, you're treated like a pariah. Joe Biden says it's a pandemic of the unvaccinated. Uh, You're shunned. Joe Biden literally blaming an entire group. How scary is this? The president of the United States blaming an entire group of people for the country's problems. And pretty much for the whole month of June, he had COVID this year, right? He got COVID. (laughs) All right. Test came back. I'm good. 24 hours later. Hot damn. I got it again. (laughs) I just think they said that so they could hide him in the basement for a little while, to be honest with you. Uh, TK Dub, (laughs) I think I need some mood music here. Uh Oh, Oh, it's a coming. Hurricane Ian forecasts to hit Florida's Gulf Coast midweek, Nige. Uh, a place that you and I go quite a bit is looking like it could take a direct shot. That St. Pete, Tampa area. Yeah. This um, storm is brewing up right now in the Gulf, and it's expected Wednesday, maybe late Thursday, depending on how it turns, to make a hit into Florida. I've got family down there. They packed up and uh, drove to Atlanta today. They'll be staying there for the next couple of days. And then I've got really close friends that live there. They got evacuation orders that say, yeah, we're not going anywhere. We're going to ride the storm out, so to speak. And so it's it's one thing or another. I, don't, I, I just, 
okay, it's 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 pretty strong right now. What's it going to look like once it hits the golf? I don't think anybody could predict that. I hope right. it. I hope it. Cat you know, one right now, yeah. from what we're hearing, it could up. be a cat three by the time it makes landfall. Now, we'll I'm, see what happens. And I'm headed there a week from Wednesday. Oh, to that area? Uh, a little south, little south of there. Okay. So uh, flying into Sarasota. So it's um, yeah. I don't. I obviously I hope everybody's going to be okay. And 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 if you're riding the, if you're riding it out down there, please be careful. Hope you take all the precautions. Hope you got generators. Hope you have food and water. Uh, but my uh, some relatives are like not taking any chances. They they had to do Atlanta today. There are some folks that have hurricane parties. Like, this is something that we can't really relate to here, but they buy up a bunch of food, a bunch of booze, maybe get a keg, board up all their windows, have some buddies come over, and uh, they just have themselves a hurricane party for a couple days. It's, it's like, it's, I don't, that's the only negative about living down in that area. It's like once in a while, you're going to have to look at each other. You're going to have to tell your family, all right, pack it up. We're uh, we're driving north for a couple of days, and or you have to look at your family while it's raining cats and dogs and say, "Hey, just stick it out. Nothing to worry about as the floods come in." Right. To folks in Florida, though, I think they treat hurricanes like we do tornadoes. Like if there's a tornado, watch. Some of them do. Yeah. We still walk outside on our porch. Ah, ain't nothing gonna happen. This sucks. Like if you're from California, and when I worked at the casino, we had a boss from California that had moved out to Indy. There was a tornado watch in place. This dude was ready to duck and cover under his desk. Yeah. And we're like, hey, just settle down. This happens all the time. We'll let you know if you hear sirens. That's when it gets kind of serious. People in Florida do that with hurricanes, but we will have uh, our eye on this storm. See what I did right there? All Hey-o. week long. Emma and Nigel presents. Is. It depends upon what the meaning of the word is. Yeah. Is this anything? WIPC. All right, Hammer, let's have it. You're going to give me some stories. I will tell you if they are anything or not. Let's go. Is this anything? An American Airlines flight had its intercom hacked by a person who grunted and moaned the entire trip. <laughs> Here are some of the noises no being way. made on the American Airlines intercom, <laughs> along with an apology from the flight crew. Mondo, we're going to need to hear the mo- so they're te- you, we're supposed to believe somebody hacked into the intercom on the airplane at 30,000 feet and started going Ugh. now it might not have been somebody on the plane it could have been somebody that's, in their living room somewhere scary. but scary play that play that again and then play the end of the apology <laughs> <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen we realize there is an extreme 
Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, I mean, look, that's if they can hack the intercom, can they hack the communication between the pilots and air traffic control? That's actually, I mean, it, we're laughing about this now, and I would probably be giggling my ass off throughout the entire flight. <laughs> if just randomly I'm sitting there, oh, yeah. Oh, it'd be fun for about 15 minutes, but on a three and a half hour flight to Vegas, it would get pretty oh, damn old man. after a while. <laughs> My eyes are watering. <laughs> I mean, it's, I wonder how that, I'd like to know more about that, how exactly that happened. I want to know the, the age of the person that was doing some 12 year old nerd hacker <laughs> in his mom's basement. Oh, yeah. But if there is an element that's a little disturbing, especially when you're, I mean, if you can hack the intercom that airs over the entire airplane, what can you do with the, you know, the computer systems, the automation systems, right. the, the the communications between air traffic control and the pilot is, is kind of when I you think big picture, that's pretty scary. Your flight has been rerouted to Guam. <laughs> Land in Guam. Ladies and gentlemen, I'd like to take this time to announce this is your pilot speaking. We're flying directly to Ukraine. <laughs> <laughs> we're flying we're flying into Russia. You're all conscripted to be uh, soldiers in Putin's army. <laughs> oh, I got one. Can I give one to you? Sure. Sure. Um so they so you you're a baseball guy. You play baseball. Your your kids play baseball. The uh, some some history was made over the weekend. Friday night, Albert Pujols of the St. Louis Cardinals hits his 700th home run. Right, the only the fourth player to achieve that. that I mean, that's a pretty big milestone in Major League Baseball. Correct. That is that's a big one right there. It happened on the road. It happened at Dodger Stadium. The LA fans were pretty excited. Here is the the big moment: Albert Pujols 700th home run. Albert Pujols, homered earlier tonight, was one swing away from 700 career home runs. Pujols sends one in the air. It's deep to left. It's 700. Albert Pujols has joined the 700 home run club. Is this something? This is something. He's been around for a while. Oh, yeah, he's been around for a while. And listen, as much as I hate to say it, because he plays in those damn dirty, no good, rotten, <laughs> yeah. unfortunately, first place, St. Louis Cardinals, uh, this is something, man. And even the Dodger fans, they were waiting for this. They gave him a standing ovation. The Dodgers players came out. You think about how long Major League Baseball has been played. Only three other guys have gone over you know, 700 home runs. You've got Barry Bonds, who a lot of people suspect was juiced for a lot of those with steroids. Babe Ruth and Hank Aaron. Is is Barry in the record books, though? Is he still, like, in the official record books? He's in the record books, but he's not in the Hall of Fame. Okay. So baseball had a big moral crisis there for a while. So how long – so so he's got a chance to go over 700 – Will he do it before the end? Of, I mean, the season's got to be coming to an end pretty soon, right? Yeah, there's I mean, about a week left in okay. the season, so, so he's got he's he's got a shot. I think he's done though at the end of this year. I think he signed this deal with the Cardinals to kind of ride off in the uh, sunset because the last couple of years he's bounced around a little bit, went to the Dodgers for a little bit, and played in some other spots. But he wanted to retire with the team that he made his mark with, which was St. Louis. So this was kind of the last dance, if you want to call man, it that, for Albert Pujols. Isn't he the one that? that 
put one like hung one on our pal Drew Storen from the Nationals back in the playoffs when he was a reliever. We've had we've had Drew in the studio before. Right. But I guess and that that was that was during the playoffs, right? Yeah. And he he was. Listen, I guess, yeah, Drew Storen, you're in good company, kid. Yeah. There's a lot of dudes who have served one up <laughs> yeah. to Albert Pujols. Uh, so congratulations, and now we keep our eye on Aaron, Aaron Judge. Judge. Yeah. Because he is trying to set the single-season American League record for home runs. He's at 60. Uh, 61 was set by Roger Maris. There's movies about that. Right. And uh, from what we know, it sounds like Aaron Judge is doing this clean, has never you know, failed any sort of drug test or steroid tests or anything. He's just a big, strong, massive dude that hits bombs. So he's one away from tying Roger Maris. Let's do this last one here. We've got time. Is this anything? This is a guy at karaoke going from his regular voice to his impression of Scooby-Doo's Shaggy? No. Is that right? (laughs) No. (laughs) The musician that came from Jamaica. Why would anybody want to do an impression (laughs) of that guy? Listen to the song. Just play it, Mondo. Oh, I see what he's doing. The singer Shaggy. And you know what? I think this is something. What it is is cultural appropriation. You have a skinny, you have a skinny white kid uh, appropriating a uh, Jamaican accent, and I don't think uh, this is appropriate at all. And I think he needs to be canceled. I think Stacey Abrams needs to look into this. Anna Navarro (laughs) needs to look into this. I think you're absolutely right. It's the Hammer and Nigel Show. You're listening to the Hammer and Nigel Show on 93 WIBC. It is the Hammer and Nigel Show. I'm Jason Hammer. Big Nige is here. I want to go back to the WIBC Traffic Center where Matt Baer is keeping an eye on the funeral procession for fallen Richmond Police Department canine officer Ciara Burton. The service took place earlier at Richmond High School, and now the motorcade, the procession, is on its way to Crown Hill Cemetery. Matt, what's the latest? It's heading west on U.S. 40 through Hancock County right now. In fact, I've been told the procession has reached Cumberland, just east of Indianapolis, and stretches back about... Oh, I'm saying about 15 miles at the moment through downtown wow. Greenfield. So it's a huge procession right now making its way towards the east side of Indianapolis. It's going to continue then on Washington Street to Illinois. So through downtown, then head north on Illinois up to Crown Hill Cemetery. Thank you so much, Matt. We'll check back in here in just a little bit. I hope people are patient with what's going on because every time one of these situations happen nige there's always some lunatic that'll send us a tweet or he'll post on social media i can't believe i'm stuck in traffic because of all this rabble rabble dude there are families that are grieving right now that would love to have your problems so try to keep things in perspective with that being said nigel yes megamondo let's check in check in with one wheeling dealing, hair sniffing, kiss, kiss stealing, stealing, Joe Biden! I got hairy legs. Look, fast, look, kiss it here. Thank you, uh, 
Dr. Pepper. Thank you, Dr. Pepper. Uh, So Joe Biden's out there on the trail. He's trying to hype up the base ahead of the midterms, right? Well, he's basically lying through his dentures. Listen to this. He had a speech over the weekend where he says in 41 states plus D.C., the average price of gas is less than $2.99. And in 41 states plus the District of Columbia... The average gasoline price is less than $2.99. Now, wait a minute. Hold on. Hold on. That's a complete lie. It, even CNN and NBC have called him out on this. Do really? you know? Do you know how many states have the average gas price under $2.99? Uh, there's no way it's that way in California. That's not been anywhere near two ninety nine in Indiana. I I wouldn't have uh, the slightest idea. Zero, You're zero kidding. places in America have gas under two ninety nine, according to Gas Buddy and AAA. That same piece of information was put on a disclaimer from both NBC and CNN after Joe Biden said, "Uh, 41 states plus D.C., the average gas price is less than $2.99. Wow. Disclaimers from CNN and NBC? Rare acts of journalism. I can't believe it. Wow. Now, Joe Biden, earlier today, he welcomed the Atlanta Braves to the White House. The Braves won the World Series a year ago, uh, so they're in D.C., they're playing the Nationals, they make their visit. Take a listen to this. Now, what I'm going to play you is Joe Biden talking about the Braves and how you guys did great, you grounded out, and then you beat the Braves. And then (laughs) I'm going to compare that with... Big lunatic John Fetterman from Pennsylvania trying to talk sports at his rally (laughs) where he says the Eagles are better than the Eagles. So if you want to hear lunatics trying to talk sports, turn this up. Play by play, any by any, you grind, you ground it out, and you did it together. You made the playoffs and beat the Braves, the the Brewers, and Dodgers. And the Eagles are so much better. Then <laughs> what? So we're going to play this again here in just a moment. Joe Biden uh, telling the Braves, you guys did it together. You ground it out. Well, if you ground it out, that's probably not a good thing, Joe. And then he says the Braves, but then switches it quickly to the Brewers. And I don't know what the hell Fetterman's talking about. Play by play, any by any, you grind, you ground it out. And you <laughs> ground it out. You made the playoffs and beat the Braves, the, the Brewers and Dodgers. And the Eagles are so much better than the Eagles. Yeah, I mean, both of these guys. I mean, at least Fetterman has somewhat of an excuse is that he had a stroke and he's still trying to overcome some of the uh, limitations that are hampering him. I don't think he's in any way, shape, or form ready to be a senator and with all the the job requirements that involves. But uh, Dementia Joe, I mean, he's just, uh, he's out of it, man. I don't know which is worse. And I think there's something else that people aren't talking about. The Atlanta Braves at the White House? Didn't Georgia, didn't Major League Baseball yank the All-Star game from Atlanta last season? Or was it this season? Two years was it ago. Two, was, it, was it a year or two ago? Because of uh, voting rights laws, oppressive voting, you know, 
the the perception that there was voter suppression going on. Stacey Abrams lost. That's what it was. Stacey Abrams lost despite record level turnout. They said that there were voting irregularities. And don't the Braves. Suppression. I mean, that's, an, that's an American Indian type of cultural appropriation in terms of the name. The fans still do. Do they still do the thing? The oh, chop? sure they do. The tomahawk chop. And I, I believe even somebody was calling out Corrine uh, Jean-Pierre, the White House press secretary, about that today. And she goes, well, uh, d- you know, does, does Joe Biden support this? the tomahawk chop or whatever it is she's like well that's certainly certainly a conversation we have to have there's a lot of hypocrisy going on right now and i love it i love it that the braves won won the uh won the world series a few months after uh, having the all-star game yanked from their stadium and and not only that but having millions of dollars and vendors and and people you know left without gigs because of that they were counting on those gigs right you know there were still you know, beer vendors uh, hotels, stands, hotels restaurants everybody and and now all of a sudden joe biden is embracing a team from georgia much <laughs> less the atlanta braves and he did that interview on 60 Minutes about two years ago, remember, where he was calling for the All-Star game to move. Wow. You know, the Braves, they uh, were the bigger man today. They showed up to the White House. They presented the jersey. They did the things. And then Biden, he's so out of it. He holds up the jersey, and it looks like if somebody were to give your grandmother a Wu-Tang shirt. She's just, <laughs> he's kind of smiling. He's He's got that blank look on his what face. Do, what did I do with this? They said, Joe, hold uh, up the jersey. Tomahawk chop. I have never <laughs> made one of those before. Oh, I haven't eaten pork chops. Could you imagine if he would have started doing the tomahawk <laughs> <laughs> give it anything all right everybody on the count of three <laughs> is it the oh right oh, kind of like florida state right okay same deal same deal unbelievable um on the topic of the upcoming wow. midterm elections former biden spokeswoman and white house press secretary jen saki the press secretary with the extremely red hair <laughs> She's now got a gig at NBC, and she Uh admits Uh that this midterm, it's a referendum on the president, and if people view it that way, Biden's going to lose. If it is a referendum on the president, they will lose, and they know that. They also know that crime is a huge vulnerability for Democrats. I would say one of the biggest vulnerabilities. Democrats will lose if this is a referendum on Joe Biden, according to the former Biden spokeswoman. That's amazing. And everybody knows it. Nobody wants Biden to run. There's polling that says no Democrat. I mean, hardly any Democrats want Joe Biden to run in 2024. She's not saying anything that's groundbreaking. I guess maybe it's because she worked in the Biden administration. It's it's noteworthy. People are paying attention to it. But we all know that. Right. Uh, the Dems, it feels like, though, they're trying to bring the big guns out right now, trying to salvage the midterms. They dusted off the old bones of Hillary Clinton and they're taking her around city to city right now. Uh, she spoke over the weekend, and she compared Trump supporters to Nazis. I remember as a, as a young student, you know, trying to figure out how did people get basically um, drawn in by Hitler? How did that happen? And I'd watch newsreels, and I'd see this guy standing up there ranting and raving, and people shouting and raising their arms. I thought, what's happened to these people? Why did they believe that? You saw the rally in Ohio the other night. 
Trump is there ranting and raving for okay. uh, more mm. than an hour, and you have these rows of young men with their arms raised. I thought, what is going on? So Trump is Hitler, and anybody that voted for Trump, anybody that was at that rally, anybody that has Republican values is a Nazi. It's out of the open. This Again, talk about not being a surprise. That's all they have at at this point. And talk about a bitter old loser. Hillary Clinton is a hag. She really is. I mean, look at her. Her husband cheated on her with gross fat chicks <laughs> I, I and it was bitter. still an upgrade yeah, i mean honestly you're you're a, a perennial loser when it comes to your presidential runs and uh and nobody is paying attention to you i don't know who's paying where was she at the texas tribune festival could you imagine paying whatever fee she got whatever mid six figure fee hillary clinton got to go hear her call a bunch of people nazis and what constitutes like are the is it just the extreme magus republicans or those nazis but we haven't quite defined what an extremist maga republican is and they purposely keep that term vague because they want to paint every republican with that brush right That's and then easy. when they get called on it they can walk it back a little bit if oh, they well, want not to not everybody i mean even joe biden well no no not all the trump supporters uh it's i i really think she's incredibly irrelevant at this point, she's a criminal and she's a liar, and and it's, it's, it's Republicans being painted as semi. What, what are the names? What are some of the names Republicans have been called? Oh, uh, white semi- supremacists, um, racist, racist, semi-fascist, semi-fascist. Yes, I mean, and the and the the Nazi Hitler thing's been there from the very beginning. Right. It's all just. It's like it loses its power. It loses its its um, meaning. Um, uh, wait, wait, you think immigrants need identification to vote? You're a racist. That's racist. That term doesn't mean anything to me. And it waters down the term and people who are really what you're talking about or victims of what you're talking about. It's insulting to them. Uh, so while... Clinton was at the Texas Tribune Festival. The Democrats decided to dust the old bones of another woman off at the Global Citizen Festival in Manhattan, a festival for green issues. Here's a hint of who they brought out. Oh, that's not. Nancy Pelosi uh, flew no. into New York on her broom. She landed at LaGuardia. <laughs> she made her way to the Global Citizen Festival in Central Park, Manhattan. This should be a friendly crowd, right? They're talking about green issues. These are the people going to save the planet. Here's Nancy Pelosi getting booed off the stage. Now, that's one person's video. And you're probably thinking to yourself, okay, one person's video, maybe it was at an angle, maybe there were people around. Here's another video, longer, and this was taken, like, above the crowd where you can hear everybody. A green festival in New York. Okay, Okay, but that just tells me something. 
Nancy Pelosi is left wing as progressive as radical as she is. She is not nearly as radical as these green lunatics want her to be. You remember she mocked AOC's Green New Deal proposal. Oh, Green Dream or whatever. <laughs> yeah, okay. Radical Nancy Pelosi, not radical enough for this crowd of lunatics. Let that sink in for a moment. All right, let's give some stuff away. We got tickets to go see Killer Queen, a tribute to Queen, an awesome Queen cover band. Uh, they're coming to the Egyptian Room at Old National Center cool. October 11th. So if you want to go see this tribute to Queen, we have a fun little game for you, but you have to be caller number nine right now. 239-9393. That's 239-9393. Good luck. Andrea was caller number nine. Andrea, how are you? I'm great. How are you? Good. So on the line here, two tickets to go see Killer Queen, a tribute to Queen, October 11th at the Egyptian Room. I'm going to give you something that's either a line to a Queen song or something you would hear from the Jimmy Dean complaint line if you're complaining about sausage. <laughs> it's called Killer Queen or Jimmy Dean. You get this right, I'll give you the tickets, okay? Okay. I don't like your 16-ounce package of maple and sage. I don't eat that. I'm not from the north. Killer Queen or Jimmy Dean? I'm going to go with Jimmy Dean. Yeah! There we go. Congratulations, Andrea. Stay on the line. It was easy. Mondo will take care of you. We'll play this game again tomorrow. It's the Hammer and Nigel show. Hammer and Nigel. Do you believe these characters are weirdos? On 93 WIBC. So let's rock The funeral for fallen Richmond PD canine officer Sierra Burton. Um... Heartbreaking and, and touching and emotional and beautiful all at the same time, Hammer. And it's it's nice to see the 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 community embrace her and her family and of course law enforcement from all over the state, if not the country, with tributes pouring in as well. And unfortunately, this is the second time that we've seen something like this in just a couple of months. We went through this process with fallen Elwood officer Noah Shanavaz, and now today uh, we say farewell to Ciara Burton. Her funeral took place at Richmond High School earlier today, and right now, you heard Matt Baer at the top of the hour, that procession is uh, making its way to Crown Hill Cemetery, should be there very shortly, and uh, Matt will give you the absolute latest on what that means for lane restrictions, road restrictions, things like that. But let's go back a little bit earlier today to that service they had at Richmond High School. This is Amy Miller, the stepmother of Ciara Burton. Now, Amy is also in law enforcement, and she had a very emotional speech talking about her relationship with Ciara. Ciara was my stepdaughter. But I did not see her as a stepdaughter. I saw her as my daughter. I may not have given birth to her, but in my heart, she was my daughter and will forever be. Sierra was the strongest woman I've ever known. And she recently just showed the world just how strong she was. Junior, I was honored to work beside you. 
and I was honored to be your bonus mom. I promise I will continue to take care of your mother and give Brev the best life ever. We will continue to love and care for Abby Mama. So please watch over us and rest easy, sweet girl. I love you. Man, watching the loved ones yeah. speak at these Rough. never gets any easy, easier, man. It's just so emotional, so touching. This is Sierra's fiance. Uh, her name is also Sierra. She had a really emotional speech as well. I feel an emptiness without her here, but I will forever be thankful for the purest love she gave me and the wonderful family and friends she has that have become mine. Sierra, I promise to carry you with me in my heart everywhere I go and to love you and live for you until we meet again, my love. Thank you. So again, that uh, funeral procession making its way to Indy from Richmond, and uh, we'll have more on that coming up in just a little bit. This is a new book um, is claiming that Trump called Mitch McConnell a piece of bleep. I believe it. The, the, <laughs> I believe See, that's it. That's the thing with these books and Trump is like some of the claims that they make, and they even interviewed him a couple of times for this thing. Uh, so the Atlantic published an excerpt of New York Times Maggie Haberman's new book, which which I have no idea why Trump is doing interviews with biased reporters from the New York Times. Um, so they published this little clip that included Trump's criticisms of some of the Senate top Senate Republicans. Trump reportedly told Haberman, the old crows a piece of bleep. And that would be in regards to one cocaine Mitch. Uh, Trump, according to Haberman, also taking jabs at DeSantis, calling the Florida governor a, quote, opportunist and insulting him over his weight. Trump's calling somebody fat? <laughs> now, wait a minute. Hold on here. Now, now, look, Haberman, here's the thing. I don't know why Trump does these interviews with, you know, whether it be Axios or Stephanopoulos or the New York Times. He's got a, he's got an ego. He's got to be liked by these people for some reason. Or, or maybe he just wants to go toe-to-toe with them. I don't know. But Haberman says she interviewed him like three times for the book following his time. You know, after the White House, it's called Confidence Man, the Making of Donald Trump and the Breaking of America. Uh, it'll be out, I believe, next week, October 4th. But look, if she's if, if, if she's interviewing him personally and he's saying these things and it's not secondhand or thirdhand or hearsay, that's something different. But it is funny. Trump, I mean, that's true. I, I don't know how much credibility I, the New York Times has with me in terms of covering Trump or talking about Trump or anything like that. And Haberman specifically. Sure. So but the, the, if he was insulting DeSantis over his weight, hold on there, pal. <laughs> hold on for a second. Let's pump the brakes here just a little bit. Uh, but you bring up something really interesting. Why does Donald Trump always speak with these people like the name of the book is the making of donald trump and the breaking of america oh yeah the breaking of america and donald trump sat down with this woman three different times why would you do that you know how she's going to position this and i got news for you you're not going to come off well you have to know that going in right why would you do that um meanwhile on msnbc their anchor stephanie rule 
She hosts a program called The 11th Hour, and her and all of her panelists and all of her guests, they were yucking it up the other night. They were laughing at some good old-fashioned homophobia because Stephanie Rule's panel of guests, which included uh, Nancy Giles from CBS, CNBC's uh, Ron Insana, MSNBC's Liz Plank, and some comedian, Judy Gold, this was the panel, they were making fun of Senator Lindsey Graham. Now, Lindsey Graham, he's not doing himself any favors by trying to push out this federal abortion ban right before the midterms. It's kind of divided the Republican Party at a really bad time. But what the panel was making fun of was his sexuality. Why would he even be doing this, Mm -hmm. right? They overturned Roe v. Wade. So for that portion of their base who wanted that, you got what you wanted. Mm -hmm. Why do this? Republicans don't even support it across the board. He's dividing Republicans. It's not like you can get white evangelical voters to vote for you twice. (laughs) And now you're knocking out a ton of Mm -hmm. other potential voters. And he's Mm -hmm. ignoring what happened in Kansas. Yes. You know, it's like, come on, people. And in so many other swing states. Oh, I I know. And... to vote and the fact that he is it. telling women what to do with their bodies, he's never mm-hmm. seen a vagina. Mm-hmm. He's never seen a naked woman. And he is telling me... Someone fact-check that. <laughs> well, that's okay, he's a news organization. We don't know that for sure. Okay, we do not know that for sure. Judy, we would refer to that as an unconfirmed report. Okay. So homophobic insults hurled at Lindsey Graham are okay if he's a Republican. Correct. I don't care whether he's gay or not. There's been rumors. There's been innuendos. But so because he's a Republican and because he's Lindsey Graham and because he's against abortion, homophobic slurs are allowed. Is that what I'm understanding from this thing that kind of went off the rails? Whole damn panel was up there laughing and cackling. Wow. And who is this awful woman that sounded like Mrs. Garrett from the Facts of Life? (laughs) Like, who is she? I mean, come on, people. (laughs) Girls, girls, girls. Shut up. Sit down. Got ourselves a little feud happening, Hammer. I like this. Uh, The liberal meltdown of the uh, illegal aliens being sent to Martha's Vineyard continues. (laughs) Uh, First of all, they, they say that, you know, even Jared Kushner, Trump's guy was i think he was on fox news last week saying oh we can't use these people they're human beings for political pawns and and by the way just a side note i think that's coming from trump as a sort of a side shot to governor DeSantis. but it could be kush because i never thought kush or ivanka were conservative to begin with right so but but it's not like i mean they're telling these immigrants these illegal immigrants hey look we're going to a sanctuary city we're gonna put you up there it's gonna be nicer than anything you've ever seen it's better than the semi-tractor trailer you rode in you know last weekend with a loaf of bread to survive and people are going to take care of you it's a sanctuary city i don't think there's anything wrong with what he did and especially some of these border towns in texas that can't sustain uh all the 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 influx the thousands of illegal immigrants coming across the border every day i saw one uh clip of how um the the shelters are so overrun on border towns that the the illegals are sleeping on the street. They have like piles and piles of clothes that they choose from, blankets and jackets. They're having to sleep on the street. So 
you know, anything they can do to alleviate the pressure, I, I say more power to them. But this, this is this is amazing. The CNN, did you see the CNN clip with uh, fake conservative Anna Navarro? I love they consider her their conservative <laughs> voice on CNN, Anna Navarro. This, what a uh, joke. Uh, so they had, so CNN had this Hispanic conservative's name, Abe Enriquez. He really, really ticked off CNN's Anna Navarro by defending DeSantis, Governor DeSantis of Florida, for flying the illegals to Martha's Vineyard. Here you go. Oh, look, what the governor did was uh, offer transportation for migrants who were homeless um, and, and needed refuge. Um, and it was voluntary basis, right? We, the governor's office has released the waivers, both in English and in Spanish. But the frustration that we're hearing from, uh, you know, people in Texas, specifically South Texas, is how the media is making this a big deal just because it comes from a wealthy city like Martha's Vineyard when hardly no conversations being had uh, of Tucson, Arizona, uh, El Paso, Brownsville, Harlingen, Eagle Pass, which, by the way, we don't get 50 migrants a day. We get thousands. Uh, so what we're talking about and what we're saying is uh, it's easy to to have empathetic uh, values or insights to open border and weak border policies if you live in the Upper East Side of Manhattan or Malibu. But these are our <laughs> communities and these are our resources that are being strained. And all we're asking for is for other states, which, by the way, have sanctuary city laws, to start picking up the their weight um, in this crisis that we have caused by uh, the lack of attention from our president. There's a poker term called calling the bluff. And that's what a lot of folks have done here with the border situation. You want to call yourself a sanctuary city? You want to talk about how progressive you are? Well, here you go. Here's 50 migrants at your door. Here's 50 up here uh, in New York. Here's 50 at D.C. You asked for this. We're just doing supply and demand. You wanted the supply. We've got the demand at the border. You could just see Ana Navarro from CNN, her eyes spun back into their, her head, or, or steam coming out of her ears. Here is her response. Frankly, Abraham, I don't know how you as a Mexican-American, and I don't know how you can, with a straight face, say that what the governor was simply offering was transportation. Please don't be so cynical. It's a little early in the morning. You know damn well that it was much more than that. Yes, he's trying to bring attention to the crisis on the border, and he's trying to do it through a political stunt by sending these two blue states, blue cities. Let's call it what it is. It is a political... You're Hispanic. How dare you have an opposing thought of what's going on? Is Anna Navarro the voice of the official (laughs) Hispanic community? Stunt. And please don't use your Hispanic last name to come on here and try to, uh, you know, what are you justify doing? this as just offering transportation. If it had been offering transportation, it didn't need to go to a Republican donor. He didn't need to play, pay more than three, four times the amount that it would have cost. He could have simply called the Office of Refugee Resettlement. There are actual organizations in the United States that do this and are funded to do this without this type of thing. The one who wants the media attention is Ron DeSantis. How dare you use your last name? to espouse an opinion that differs from mine. I mean, these these immigrants hit the lottery, man. I'm sorry. I mean, they came over. They were trafficked, most likely, survived border, you know, crossing the Rio Grande, uh, trafficked in, you know, 150-degree semi-tractor trailers for a week living off a loaf of bread. And then Anna Navarro Navarro is playing identity politics. Right. And Enriquez lives down by the border. Yeah, 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 yeah. That's where he's from. He's near Eagles Pass, Texas. So he understands what's going on here. And for Anna Navarro, 
Navarro to say it was a political stunt. I love how everybody on the left now was like, well, that was a political stunt. You know what else was a political stunt? When Joe Biden, on his first day in office and during his first 100 days, basically took back every single thing Donald Trump had done at the border. It was a political stunt to open up the border. It's a political stunt when all of these people die at the border because of Joe Biden's policies. That's a political stunt. But these people like Anna Navarro, they don't say a damn thing about that. Want to do some legal stuff? Please. Yeah, here we go. Crime. Punishment. Judges. Legal stuff. Oh, this this involves one of my kids' favorite places to go during the summer, Dairy Queen. I love Dairy Queen. Oh, wow. The U.S. Department of Labor fining uh, 11 Dairy Queens franchise locations, including one in Indy, for violating child labor laws. Um, the Indy store is on uh, North Meridian, 9040 North Meridian. Um, the you know working hours and time standards for 102 employees age 14 and 15 at Dairy Queen stores at various Fort Wayne locations and a few others, uh, including the one indie store. So so they're so basically they're way over on the hours they're allowed to work when you're that age, 14, right. 15 years old. Right? H and H Coldwater LLC. This is a Fort Wayne based operator, and there's a bunch of Fort Wayne locations that have been fined here. Just one in Indianapolis. But listen, man. I'm not saying that what happened was good. You can't be working kids to the bone. But if the kids wanted to work and nobody else is taking these jobs, is it really the end of the world? I know the law is the law. I get that. But these poor Dairy Queen franchise owners, they're probably short on staff. It's either close or maybe have somebody work some OT. My kid, he's almost 11. He would go work right now 10 hours a day. and he's, He's itching to go out and get a job and work. It doesn't matter whether it's McDonald's or Chick-fil-A. I have a, a relative, my, my nephew works at Chick-fil-A. He loves it. It's a great place to work. And if you're 14 or 15, I mean, back in the day, oh, my dad coming up in his, his age. My dad's in his mid to late 60s now. He, he like he would have killed to make all that money. You know what, what was the minimum wage in 1975? What like a dollar fifty an hour or whatever it was. <laughs> but I I don't like if you're being if your if your job is being threatened and you're saying no, even though you're 14 years old, you got to work a 12 hour a day. That's something completely different. I right. think right. Don't you? I mean, you'd agree with that, right? Right. But, right. If these if kids were, were like, I really don't want to work, and this boss was making them yeah. do it or threatening to fire them, that's one thing. But man, when I was fourteen or fifteen, sure. I got all the energy in the world. If it's the summertime and I don't really have much else going on, I'll work. I'll work. Uh, we got to find out what the deal with the Colts is. I mean, they won. Big win over Kansas City, one of the better teams in the NFL. But it doesn't feel. I don't feel good about it. I don't feel good about that offensive line at all. And we're going to talk to Kevin Bowen, who does the morning show on our sister station, 107.5 The Fan, uh, Kevin and Query. We'll have a little breakdown of the Colts' win and a big game coming up. That's coming up next. It's a beautiful day. You're listening to The Hammer and Nigel Show on 93 WIBC. Joe, Jason Hammer is here. We'll go to the drivehubler.com hotline and bring on Kevin Bowen from 107.5 The Fan KB. The Colts beat a pretty good team yesterday at home uh, at Lucas Oil, but I was watching that game. I feel like uh, the, the Chiefs actually uh, lost that game more than the Colts won the game. Do you agree with that assessment? 
Uh, that's probably accurate. Uh, having said that, just because you watch someone puke doesn't mean you stare at the puke. You help them clean up the puke. And, I love it. Okay. I did not know that was going to puke right there. That's why. Yeah, well, that's why we like having you on for this analysis here. Yeah, maybe that's a little too graphic of a visual, but whatever. Not for our audience, no. <laughs> I figured that. Um, the Colts did their part in making sure that if the gifts were to be handed to them, they still could win the game, you know, with those gifts. Like the Chris Jones penalty late in the game that kept the game-winning drive alive. If the Colts are down two scores in that moment, that penalty probably doesn't matter all that much. But because their defense hung in there and hung in there, and Patrick Mahomes' teams rarely get held to 20 point or 17 points in a game, uh, kudos to the Colts' defense. Did Kansas City make some awful kicking situations, decisions, execution? Sure. Did they have a huge muff punt early in the game? The Jones penalty? Or Kelsey out of drop? Yes, there are tons of reasons why Kansas City lost that game. But when you're a winless football team, you shouldn't apologize too much. Right. It it should always feel good when you beat a team like the Kansas City Chiefs. But I do think there's something to what Nige said here, Kevin. If you're a fan and you watch this game from the kickoff until the final play, you see that that Colt offensive line is really bad. And they're getting paid a lot of money to be good. They're the 180 of that. They're awful right now. There was that 15-yard penalty late in the game that kept the drive going for the Colts. There were some muffed punts that kept things rolling for the Colts. So, yeah, I mean, we should be excited as fans that the Colts won this game against a damn good team and a generational quarterback like Mahomes. But, boy, there were some ugly parts of this game, if you're a fan, that have not been cleaned up yet for the Colts. Yeah, and that's probably a good way to summarize it, Hammer. Um, again, you can sit here and be happy that the Colts won. I mean, hell, it's better than the alternative. But also, and especially up there on West 56th Street at the team complex, you better be critical in your evaluation because the 60-minute effort, the 60-minute performance by the Colts yesterday will not get them to nine wins or whatever, ten wins. You know, however many wins that will be needed to win the AFC South. Um, and it, like you said, it starts with your offensive line. I put some of it as well on Matt Ryan. I think there's a lack of awareness from him that I didn't think we'd see from a 14-year veteran, whether that's pocket awareness, whether that's pre-snap awareness, where free rushers are coming from. You got Matt Ryan to avoid stupid plays and to be smart at the line of scrimmage. I don't feel like the Colts have gotten that, at least to the degree that they were expecting. So, again, you need better from him. Ryan Kelly needs better. And just your individual offensive linemen um, need better. They are paid as the highest-paid offensive line in the NFL, and they don't, have not sniffed that return on investment this season. Hey, go back to the end of the game. We mentioned the the unsportsmanlike uh, penalty uh, against the Kansas City Chiefs where one of the players, was he trash-talking Matt Ryan or something? Is that what happened that kept ended up keeping that Colts drive alive? Do, you, do we know what he said? So the phrase is abusive language. Um, interpret that as you will. I have never seen that penalty called from a verbal standpoint. You know, when you see unsportsmanlike calls, it's usually some shoving. Yeah. It's usually maybe a taunting penalty of a player standing over another player. I didn't really see any of that. 
We had Jeff Saturday on our morning show today. Jeff Saturday said he's never seen it, like ever seen it. And frankly, Jeff Saturday thought it was ridiculous, thought that there is, you know, and a guy, obviously Jeff doesn't know what was said, but Jeff's like, you know, guys are way too emotional during the game to call that penalty at that time, especially of the game. This is me obviously just guessing here, but there had to be some sort of slur said. Like, I don't even remember the official coming on the, the, the mic at some point in the game and being like, hey, 95 has been worn for, you know, whatever. Some verbal, unsportsmanlike, if he does it again, there will be a penalty. You know, sometimes you do see that during a game, but you didn't see it in that moment. I did find it interesting that Chris Jones, the guy who had the penalty, he was mad, but I don't – it's not like Andy Reid, which would have been a sight to see, frankly. It's not like Andy Reid was chasing after the officials after the game. You know, it, it, right. it's not like you – you, you, you saw those moments. So, for as much as the penalty necessarily shouldn't have been called, you know, Kansas City didn't complain as much as I would have complained if I would have been them. Right. If the old movie Bull Durham, the baseball movie, has taught us anything, there are certain <laughs> words or phrases that can get yeah. you kicked out. And in today's NFL <laughs> landscape, where they let you say in quite a bit, uh, there are a few <laughs> words that will get you thrown out or at least a flag tossed. And I think that's what happened yesterday. Yeah, he certainly said the magic word or words, I guess. I would also point out this. The head official threw the flag. I'd be curious if that would have happened in the secondary. Like, does the back judge think he has Mm. the clout to throw that flag? Because, I mean, let's be honest, guys. If that flag doesn't get thrown, the Colts lose the game. Right. Like, I mean, there's five minutes going in the game. The Colts had to force a punt in five drives. Uh, Kansas City's either going to run out the clock, they're going to get in scoring position, they're going to do something, unless they would have muffed another punt or whoever else, you know, something else probably would have been gifted. But that was just such, such a critical penalty by really one of their star players. Did I I see, we're speaking with Kevin Bowen, 107.5 The Fan, did I see the Colts actually convert a fourth down play? (laughs) Uh, Am I imagining uh, that? well, it's the old blind squirrel finds a nut right in the forest every <laughs> once in a Third time's the charm on fourth and one. And you know what? I thought for a second Jacoby Brissett was doing his QB sneak impression. Right. Yeah. It was Matt Ryan yeah. on the QB sneak. And honestly, this goes back to Hammer's question about the O-line. You know, Jonathan Taylor, they had a fourth and one where Taylor jumped from about three yards behind the line of scrimmage. And you know what? I think he had to because Kansas City's D-line just took the Colts' offensive line and moved them two yards back on that play. It's just it's such an issue for this football team right now when you get into short yardage and you can't turn around and give it to Taylor and feel confident about it because your offensive line can't control the, uh, the trenches. I mean, one of the defensive guys. I mean, I watched one of those plays. That, one, of those, one of those ends came around. He wasn't touched. I mean, he could have used a walker. And just kind of <laughs> right. slowly uh, trudged his way up to Matt Ryan and tackled him. I, what what happened? What is going on with this line? What needs to be fixed? You know, I'll go back to something I said earlier again. Free rushers. Just way too many free rushers. It, you know, it, yeah. it's one thing to, like, allow a free rusher. If you're going to allow that, you need to make sure that you know where that ball's going quick. And, again, that's what you brought Matt Ryan here for. Carson Wentz's inability to identify, process, and take advantage of those situations is what doomed the Colts last season. You know, honestly, when a free rusher comes, what does that mean? 
that means that you have an advantage somewhere else. It's a simple math. So you've got to find that. And that's where Ryan, of 14 years of NFL experience, over 10,000 pass attempts, like that's where he is supposed to help you out. So, I, it, yes, it's some of it on the O-line. But, again, we had Saturday on earlier yeah. today, and he pretty much said that how they handled offensive line stuff uh, before the snap with Peyton was Jeff Saturday would set the line protection himself, and then Peyton would have the ability to overrule him at the line of scrimmage. Frank Wright gives full autonomy to his quarterback. I assume that's the same same format, Ryan. That's something that we need to ask Wright. But um, that's that's certainly an issue right now. Kevin Bowen with us, 107.5 The Fan does the morning show. Kevin and Query. All right, so as much as we've made fun of the AFC South, they were 3-0 and yesterday against the AFC West, and now we got a big one coming up this weekend, KB. Boy, I know, and I think I joked with you last week, you know, the AFC South should be on true TV like the random March Madness games, and they, they <laughs> certainly told me to shut up yeah. with that performance yesterday. This one is vital on Sunday. It's Tennessee, and not to get into the math of it, but math-wise, you would rather beat Tennessee than beat Kansas City last week because you've already squandered two opportunities in the division. To me, you can't afford to squander many more. And you got to think that Tennessee and Jacksonville will be there with you late in the year. So this one is massive. Uh, if you expand out the schedule the next four weeks, you'll face Tennessee. You'll have Denver on a short week. And then in back-to-back weeks, you'll see Jacksonville and Tennessee in consecutive games. So you're about to play five divisional games in your first seven. You've already missed out on two of those chances. You can't afford to miss out on many, if any more. Where can we get a full breakdown of yesterday's game and a preview of Sunday? Yeah, again, we'll be on air tomorrow, 7 a.m. Kevin and Query over on our sister station. That's 107.5 The Fan. And then for uh, all of our written content, 107.5thefan.com. Got a couple articles up uh, recapping yesterday's first one of the season. KB, you're the best. Thanks, Thank bye. you. Yep, enjoy it, guys. Thank you. It's the Hammer and Nigel Show. I do. I mean, if you missed any of that conversation we just had with Kevin Bowen from 107.5 The Fan, I, oh, that was fascinating. Had some good takes on the Colts win yesterday, even though it wasn't pretty. And I just hope the Colts demolish Tennessee this Sunday. Um, it's funny how it's, quickly it's, you go from zero to 60. Because <laughs> I get texts from you throughout the game. I hope they lose by 50. And now, all of a sudden, I hope they beat the Titans by 50. I, but but it's only because, oh, I even texted you after they got the, uh, after the Kansas City Chiefs got that 15-yard penalty at the end to keep the Colts on the field. <laughs> Remember what I texted you after that? I hope the Colts still lose. <laughs> It's really crazy, irrational, passionate Colts fan I am. But I, no, the reason I want the Colts to, to win next week is because our producer Mega Mondo, right? Uh, our our producer is a huge Titans fan for whatever reason, and he's a big dumb idiot too. He's, like, he's from Whiteland, for God's sake! What the you, time that he went to the Emmis Suite and yeah. put on the Titans jersey after we told him, <laughs> no, don't do that because one, it makes you look like a dummy, and number two, there may be people in the sales yeah. department selling the Colts, and you're up there in our suite in the Titans jersey. Jersey, you yeah. stupid ass. Not to mention he's representing us. Right. Oh, look, Cameron Nigel's producer. Oh, he's here in the Titans. Big 
loud, obnoxious guy that nobody wants to sit around. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I'm sure he's being so obnoxious to our, our then boss's boss's boss who always sits in the suite. Right. When we worked for uh, MS Communications, Pat Walls. Like, sometimes Just when like, you get a work you know, perk, that doesn't mean you have to go up there like a fan and take your shirt off and body paint. Yeah. You're still there on a work he, type of environment. He's like putty in Seinfeld when he goes to the hockey game. The devils! The right. devil! The Titans! <laughs> the and Titans! Yeah. You I can't so, tell so, him anything, too, because we told him ahead of time, don't be a moron, and he was a moron anyway. So that's why, that's why, I'm really, that's why I want the Colts to win, is so we can bash and make fun of and rub it in Mondo's face uh, come next Monday afternoon when we get here. Learn so, some know, life I, skills, kid. You really think Mega Mondo at his age, when he's still, you know, a semi-pro wrestler here in the local circuit, he does he has any life skills whatsoever? All right, let's start with wearing <laughs> sleeves to work. Wear some sleeves to work, kid. Uh, you heard us come in with red hot chili peppers. <laughs> <laughs> the uh, the chili peppers, who I believe were uh, down in Louisville over, the, I think yesterday, playing a big music festival. They got a new album coming out next month, and they were um, they got a tribute to Eddie Van Halen. They got a song about Eddie Van Halen, who died of cancer in 2020. And last week they released that song. It's called Eddie. Here is a little piece of that. Definitely a Chili Pepper song, right? Sure. Does Flea still wear the sock on his crotch? <laughs> Sometimes he doesn't even bother with the sock. <laughs> That's still a thing with those guys. They go on stage and play naked. Uh, the new Chili Peppers album, Return of the Dream Canteen, will be out uh, middle of next month. My name is Nigel Jason Hammer right over there. We're back for another hour on the Hammer and Nigel show after 6 o'clock. Be sure to catch us every weekday, 3 to 7, on 93 WIBC, or subscribe and get it right to your phone.